0: Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your host, College Football with Sam, and today we will be discussing Michigan football's 2023 season and my thoughts regarding the Wolverines in 2023. Before we take a deep dive into previewing Jim Harbaugh's squad, I would really appreciate it if you commented your thoughts, opinions, analysis, and predictions regarding the Michigan Wolverines for the 2023 season and how you think that they will perform If you want to go the extra mile, and I would appreciate if you do so, please include a specific record prediction for the regular season, for conference championship week if you think Michigan will reach Indianapolis for the third year in a row, and also the postseason, whether that be a bowl game or a college football playoff appearance, or as a Michigan fan I must say more desirably, a college football playoff run and potentially a national title. Again, only if you truly believe that those things are going to happen. Without further ado, let's go back to where Michigan being in the position of winning began. And by being in the position of winning, I mean winning at a high level. Not winning against the Bowling Greens, the Akrons, the Western and Central Michigans of the world, the UNLVs, East Carolinas, the Yukons, etc. Not even against the Rutgers. Maryland's, Indiana's, Purdue's, Northwestern's No disrespect to any of those programs The teams that Jim Harbaugh beat from day one Are not the teams that I'm talking about I'm talking about Ohio State I'm talking about going on the road and beating Penn State In a very clutch comeback win I'm talking about losing to Michigan State on the road in humiliating fashion And the season not derailing itself Because of that loss, I'm talking about the 2021 Michigan Wolverines. After 2020's debacle and Jim Harbaugh's near firing, the changes that he made in the 2021 preseason is why Michigan is where it is today. Think about it. Would Michigan be here as nearly the unanimous number two team in the country in most preseason polls? In most regular season and postseason projections and predictions, would Michigan be in this position with all the glory surrounding it and the evidence to back that up with two wins over Ohio State in the past two seasons, two Big Ten championships, two appearances in the college football playoffs, a 2 0 record against Penn State, and an 1 1 record versus Michigan State with the sole loss coming to the best running back? in the nation, probably the best running back over the past two years, if I'm being honest, and Kenneth Walker, would Michigan have achieved those things and be in the, in the preseason mindset and aura that it's in right now, if not for the changes that Jim Harbaugh made after 2020? Firing Don Brown, promoting Sharon Moore, and making him a more critical and key part of of the offense, giving him more responsibility, which he handled extremely well. He will be a future head coach someday. Hiring Mike McDonald and taking him from his brother John Harbaugh and the Baltimore Ravens as the defensive coordinator, getting a GOAT as a secondaries coach in Steve Klinkscale from the Kentucky Wildcats. Klinkscale was responsible for developing some of the better secondaries in the nation with three-star and very limited... Four star talent, as Kentucky is known to be a developmental program under Mark Stoops, and they are still that way today. By the way, the Wildcats might be a college football sleeper, not to win their conference, but just to wildly outperform expectations and finished ranked in the top 25. I don't think that Kentucky will win nine or 10 games, but I'm lower on them than a lot of people are, and there are reasons to be high. On Kentucky. Just want to put that out there. But to get back to Michigan, what happened after 2020 and before 2021 set up what so far has been a two year run of near elite at worst to elite at best level of play. 2021, the team was not elite by any stretch. After the 2021 season or toward the end of that year, I might have said that they were elite but in retrospect, they were near elite at best, great at the very worst. Michigan went 12-2 two in 2021. They had a top-10 scoring defense and a top-20 scoring offense. They were the second-best team in the nation, according to the simple ranking system, only behind Georgia, who thwacked them in the Orange Bowl 34-11. to 11. After 2021, Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo, and Daxton Hill were all taken in the NFL draft. Other players departed the program as well, such as Stuber and Vistardis from the offensive line. And tight end Eric All. though he did not depart for the NFL, did get injured very early in the 2022 season. Also, legendary running back Hassan Haskins got drafted by the Tennessee Titans in, I believe, the fifth round of the 2022 NFL draft. All in all, Michigan did lose a hefty amount of production after 2021. And entering 2022, there were some questions and not everyone was as certain regarding Jim Harbaugh and his program as they are right now. There were reasons to believe that what Jim Harbaugh did in 2021 was a fluke. There was that extreme, there was the extreme, again taken by a lot of Michigan fans, obviously, that the program had been reborn. I was in the middle, but I didn't necessarily believe what Michigan did in 2021 was a fluke because beating Ohio State 42-27 to is not a flukish type of win. You don't have a fluke win by 15 points where you controlled the game from basically start to finish. But I predicted that Ohio State would beat Michigan in 2022 in sum. I'm not going to talk about the 2022 season as much because it's We have more of the memory of 2022 in the back of our heads because it happened more recently. Michigan was far better than they were in 2021. They beat Ohio State by 22 points instead of 15. They won the Big Ten Championship game. It was the first time that Michigan beat Penn State, Michigan State, and Ohio State in the same season in well over a decade. Michigan had a top-eight scoring offense and a top-eight scoring defense. And if not for a loss to TCU in the Fiesta Bowl, which was Michigan's worst game played all year, and I can say that with an objective mind, Michigan could have had a shot to win it all. I think that Georgia was the better team than Michigan in 2022, but the margin between Michigan and Georgia in the 2022 college football season I think was much closer than many would have said at the end of the year. TCU just happened to use the entire mulligan that they had on Michigan, and they were completely empty. And they themselves probably had their worst game of the season against the Georgia Bulldogs, who in turn they played their best game that I've seen over the past two seasons in Kirby Smart's own legendary run. Michigan entering 2023 has a lot of supporters, but also in their own right, a lot of doubters. Josh Pate, for example. Doesn't even have Michigan reaching the college football playoff, and he has them picked third in the Big Ten East, losing to Penn State, who I presume he has finishing 11-1, 8-1 in the Big Ten, and behind Ohio State, who I think Josh Pay has going undefeated, or also 11-1, but by virtue of a tiebreaker, getting in over Penn State to Indianapolis, where they will win and then be the one seed in the college football playoff. I would say Josh Pate is a doubter of Michigan football in the same way that I am, for example, of Penn State, who I've picked to go 9-3, and three. I've picked Ohio State to go 11-1, and 8-1 and one in the Big Ten, and reach the college football playoff by sneaking in at that fourth or third seed, and I have Michigan going undefeated, winning in Indianapolis, and reaching the college football playoff as the two-seed, and then winning it all with a 15-0 record. And those are sort of the two different ends of the spectrum. And both of those positions are rare. The consensus and near-unanimous opinion is that Michigan will reach the college football playoff, win the Big Ten or go 11-1, losing to Penn State or Ohio State, and probably winning a semifinal game or competing in a semifinal game, but most are picking Georgia to win the national title again, and I know for a fact that Ohio State and Alabama as well, surprisingly, have better national title odds than Michigan does. But the expectations for Michigan, at least from my point of view, are be better than last year, because Michigan football returns so much from 2022. They are top five in returning production in the Power Five and they're actually, I think, third in the Power Five, to be specific, in returning production. And in my opinion, the Wolverines have returned to glory under Harbaugh. Right now, the Big Ten runs through Ann Arbor. And Mike Valeni, a Michigan State fan who hates, hates Michigan, with every cell in his body, would regrettably agree with me. And I'm not saying that even with a smile on my face. I'm saying that with, my, with as much objectivity as I can— When Ohio State has been dominated for two seasons in a row by Michigan, and Michigan has honestly dominated in the Big Ten championship game and taken over the conference, I can say that the Big Ten runs through Ann Arbor. Now Ohio State and Penn State, and maybe Wisconsin, but especially the former two, can change that this season. The expectation is that Michigan keeps doing what they've done over the past two seasons and continues that two-year run to three years, this time improving off of 2022 and winning 14 games, whether that wins a national championship with a loss in the regular season, or maybe an upset in the Big Ten championship game, but Michigan reaches the playoffs with a 12-1 record and then goes 14-1, but not winning their conference like Georgia did in 2021, or they go 14-0, enter the national title game maybe against Ohio State in a rematch or against Georgia or Alabama or any other team that won in the opposing semifinal game and they lose in the national title. Michigan needs to improve compared to 2022. That's the expectation. In the past two seasons, Michigan has earned 25 wins, two Big Ten titles, and two college football playoff berths. And with the amount of returning production they have, how they played last season, the fact that Michigan, in my opinion, has the best running back room in America, the best offensive line in America, and the best secondary in America. And there's an argument for them to have the number one defensive line in America as well. And their staff is amongst the best in the country. Their wide receiver room is underrated. J.J. McCarthy is a near elite quarterback. Michigan is an elite team. They are, in my opinion, Georgia, Michigan— Ohio State, and there's an argument for any order. Those are the three top teams for the 2023 season, in my opinion and from what I can gather based off of returning production, talent, how the staffs performed last year and over the past two or three seasons, to be more specific. And Michigan is on an upward trajectory right now. And the expectation, in my opinion, I think— expecting Michigan to win the national title and anything outside of that is a bust could be too extreme i think 14 and 1 winning a playoff game winning a playoff game even if after the semifinal michigan loses in the national title and michigan loses the great majority of their starting roster which will happen regardless of how michigan finishes their season for example the Wolverines most of the offensive line, if not the entire starting offensive line, and parts of the two deep will run out of eligibility after 2023. Drake Nugent is a graduate. Zach Zinner, Trevor Keegan, and Carson Barnhart, and Miles Hinton are seniors. Ladarius Henderson, Trent A. Jones are seniors. Reese Attenberry is a junior. At wide receiver, Cornelius Johnson and Roman Wilson are seniors. J.J. McCarthy is a junior, and if he has a great season in 2023, I'd expect him to declare for the draft. Blake Corum is a senior. Edwards is a junior. But similarly to McCarthy, if he has a phenomenal year, and I think he will with his body type, he's over six foot tall, he has a good weight, and he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Absolute freak athlete. Why wouldn't he declare for the 2024 draft? He could be a first-round selection, in my opinion. And then on defense, Braden McGregor and Chris Jenkins at Edge and defensive tackle respectively. Those players are seniors. Jalen Harrell is a senior on the other edge position opposite of McGregor. Junior Colson is a junior. No pun intended, and he could declare for the 2024 draft depending on how his season goes. Michael Barrett is a graduate, Makari Page is a senior, Josh Wallace is a senior, Mike Sandra still is a senior, Quentin Johnson a backup free safety. Is a graduate and Rod Moore, the starting free safety, is a redshirt sophomore. And I expect that he'll declare for the 2024 NFL draft if Michigan goes 15 and 0 wins the national title, which I think that they will do that. I think Michigan will meet expectations this season. They won't only play for a national title, they will win a national championship. They will dominate in the regular season, the conference championship game and in the college football playoffs. And a large part of that is due to this team knowing what the expectations are, also Michigan being forced to, let's face it, drink the medicine of reality, which is no matter who your opponent is, no matter how much more talented you are compared to them, no matter that you're favored by more than a touchdown to win, you can never overlook any team. Any team. Not UNLV. Not East Carolina, not Bowling Green, certainly not TCU, who was 12-1 and one and made the college football playoff for a reason. And look, Michigan overlooked them. I don't know why they did, but they did. They had a month to prepare for TCU, and they came out with a horrendous game plan and with a roster that looked tired, out of shape, lazy, as if they didn't expect TCU to try and put up a fight. And all in all, TCU, despite being the vastly inferior team, beat Michigan. And Michigan nearly made a comeback and nearly won regardless of their trash game plan and terrible performance. I think that that TCU loss is going to give this team an edge and a chip on their shoulder. It also helps, of course, and I'm saying this as a Michigan fan because Michigan has a history of being pumped full of hot air in the preseason. And to a certain degree, they are. But having Josh Pate, who has 200,000 subscribers, say that Michigan won't even win their respective division, let alone lose to Penn State and Ohio State, the two best teams in the East outside of Michigan. And then having Georgia being ranked as the unanimous preseason number one, having odds makers who... Mostly expect Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan to all go 11 and 1 and have a three-way tie, and based off of preseason projections, Ohio State would likely have the best crossover matchups, and whoever faces the best teams in the West in a three-way tie would win. Would win the division, having Ohio State through odds be picked to win the East, and all these different things. It may sound ridiculous. But players do pay attention to these things. They have phones, they have social media, and players have emotions, and they can individually, not just as a team, but individually overlook opponents. And I think that Michigan, with the experience that they have, knowing the expectation, they ended last year off on a disappointing note, they will go out and they will have success. Let's talk about specifically what I think of the roster, some power rankings information and also looking at my projections for michigan's schedule i borrowed this of course from my top 25 video and my top 25 video along with my big 10 predictions video are linked down below in the description if you have not watched those videos or if you have regardless i encourage you to check out that video give it a like and also subscribe to the channel and hit the notification bell if you want to see more college football content. My first preview video, official preview video, with new graphics for the 2023 college football season will be out tomorrow. And we will be previewing Nebraska against Minnesota. And that night I will also be previewing Nebraska against Minnesota, but not on my own. I will be doing so with corn Crazed. More on that in a discussion post released on my community page Tomorrow, But to get back to Michigan, Michigan in my power index and in my non-power rankings top 25 is the number one team in America, and there are plenty of reasons for that. Experience is perhaps one of the bigger reasons, and also coaching staff, staff continuity specifically, if Todd Monken returned to Georgia, for example, Todd Monken was a genius offensive coordinator, still is. That's why the Baltimore Ravens hired him. That would definitely factor into my power rankings, and Georgia would get a sizable boost from that as I weigh staff more seriously and take staff changes or staff continuity, I think, more seriously than, let's say, ESPN's FPI, for example. Michigan returns Sharon Moore, Jesse Minter, Steve Klinkscale, and most importantly the head coach Jim Harbaugh, even though he'll be suspended for the first three games, beginning against Rutgers through the rest of the season, Jim Harbaugh will be coaching on the sidelines as the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines. Mike Hart also returns, along with many other assistant coaches. Matt Weiss, I believe, along with George Hilo, those coaches coach the quarterbacks and the linebackers respectively, are the only coaches who don't return. Michigan upgraded at linebacker's coach by bringing in Chris Partridge, and at quarterback, Michigan hired Kurt Campbell, who was an offensive analyst on the team last season, previously an OC at Old Dominion before 2022. Michigan, according to my power rankings, will have the nation's second best offense and the nation's best defense. I do agree with both of those things. A fun fact about my power rankings, which I will release, I think, Thursday, if not Wednesday. I'm working very hard to get that video out. It's been delayed, but it's a complicated process. My power rankings has Washington achieving the number one offense in the country and Ohio State with the third best. I do disagree with that. I think that the roles are reversed and it's Ohio State one, Michigan two, Washington three for offense, but my power rankings and I do have some differences, and that's just one of them that I think is a fun fact. Michigan's lone weakness, in my opinion, is the wide receiver position. While I have Roman Wilson breaking out, and I think Cornelius Johnson will be great as well, and Darius Clemens and Tyler Morris will be good wide receivers, there is no Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Igbuka, Xavier Worthy, or Roma Dunze, etc. type of player. There is no elite X-factor wide receiver, and that could hurt Michigan against, let's say, a Georgia or Ohio State if they get their front seven in defense figured out. Michigan has had a tendency to be one-dimensional over the past two seasons. They've ran the ball a lot with either Hassan Haskins, Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, or even with J.J. McCarthy. J.J. J. McCarthy did have a few hundred rushing yards last season, and Jim Harbaugh loved to give him, up, give him opportunities to run the read option or just have designed quarterback runs for him. And at times, last year and in 2021, Michigan stubbornly ran the football even when it didn't work and missed opportunities on getting passing repetitions. And I think it hurt them against TCU, I think that no matter what, the Orange Bowl was a hopeless matchup anyway. But against TCU, it really did hurt the Wolverines, and you saw that with J.J. McCarthy taking very risky pass attempts. Part of that was overlooking TCU's scheme. But Michigan has had a tendency to get too run-heavy. I think that the Wolverines will pass slightly more this year. I think that J.J. McCarthy will break several records as Michigan's starting quarterback, and the 15 games Michigan will play in certainly helps him as well. But with Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum coming back, along with Kalel Mullings switching full-time to running back, I think that Michigan will pound the rock and get over 4,000 rushing yards and over 50 rushing touchdowns on the year, which will be very impressive for Michigan. They have the nation's best offensive line, the defensive line, which features Chris Jenkins, who will be a first-round pick in 2024, and Jalen Harrell, Braden McGregor, and Mason Graham, who all of which could have breakout years this season. The linebacker room, I'd say, is the biggest concern defensively. Junior Colson, Michael Barrett, and Ernest Hausman are all great near-elite players, but I don't think any of those players are elite. I think Ernest Hausman is the highest ceiling, but he's a sophomore, and it doesn't look like he will get the majority of starting reps at linebacker. Junior Colston is near elite, but he is a junior, and I question whether he has that elite ceiling, but nonetheless, I do have him as a first-team All-Big Ten linebacker. On the offensive line, Drake Nugent, Trevor Keegan, those are first-team All-Big Ten interior offensive linemen and also they're on my All American list, which there will be a video on that as well. Carson Barnhart, Miles Hinton, Trente Jones, Ladarius Henderson. There's an argument that Michigan could have the deepest offensive tackle room in the country. I think Olu Fashanu is the nation's best offensive tackle, but having four high quality, near elite offensive tackles, or at least offensive tackles that have near elite to elite potential, is very impressive. Zach Zinner. Trevor Keegan, Giovanni Elhadi, and Reese Attenberry. It's also a very deep guard room. Colston Loveland and A.J. Barner at tight end will perform as well. And Will Johnson, as long as he's healthy, I think will be the best corner in the country. For Michigan's schedule, I think that regardless of Jim Harbaugh's suspension, East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green will be dominant wins. A return back home for Jim Harbaugh against Rutgers I think that the Scarlet Knights will likely compete for a quarter, maybe for two quarters like last year, but in the second half, Michigan will come out and dominate, winning by around 40 points. Road games against Nebraska and Minnesota on paper look troubling, and I think for about a half, maybe three quarters, they will be, but Michigan will tear those teams to shreds, as they're deeper than both of those teams. They have better coaching staffs, and more importantly especially in terms for Nebraska, Michigan's, the far more experienced team. And for Minnesota, Minnesota's great at developing. However, Michigan is even better, in my opinion, at developing. And they also have the more talented roster by high school recruiting. And Minnesota does have questions at quarterback, also questions at linebacker. Michigan, meanwhile, is a great tight end room to expose that mismatch. They're going to pound the rock and J.J. McCarthy, I think, is going to take a huge step forward, which means less turnovers and also more completions and more touchdown passes at home and on the road. Indiana will be a blowout win. Michigan State will be a game where I think Michigan will be challenged for nearly four quarters, if not for the whole game. Michigan State is going to be out for revenge regarding the tunnel incident, and they are the first team... On the schedule that we've talked about so far that truly has the front seven to test Michigan, with Simeon Barrow and Derek Harmon and Jalen Sammy at defensive tackle, that will be a tough matchup for Drake Nugent, Trevor Keegan, and Zach Zinner on the interior. Also, Tunmise Adelaie, along with Bai Job and most importantly, I think, Jacoby Winman at linebacker. Those are going to be players to look out for who can definitely rush the passer, and prevent potential problems for Michigan's offensive tackle room. Plus the game's at night, and it's on the road, but I do think Michigan comes out with a win. Purdue and Maryland will be wins, although I think those games could be November trap games, and a road game against Penn State I think will look very similar to last year's win over Ohio State, where Michigan's run game eventually proves too much for a Nittany Lion interior defensive line that I think is rather weak. Also, Michigan's defense, I think, matches up very well with Penn State's offense. Drew Aller will be more inexperienced than almost all of Michigan's starting defenders. This will be the best team that Drew Aller has faced all season long, including a road game against Ohio State. And Michigan's defensive line, I think, has a better mismatch against Penn State's offensive line than vice versa. I also have yet to see Nicholas Singleton be a big factor against Ohio State or against Michigan. And even against Utah, he only had that one long run, which is huge. But I need to see more consistency from Nicholas Singleton and really from Penn State, period, before I pick them to beat Michigan or Ohio State. So Michigan wins big on the road. Ohio State will be a challenging game. Wisconsin in Indianapolis will be challenging. And I have Michigan winning it all and beating Washington in the Rose Bowl, and Ohio State in a rematch, but by no means will this be easy, and this is just a preseason prediction. Things could change rather quickly, and I think that if Ohio State wins in Ann Arbor, which is very possible, they would also win in a rematch against Michigan. I think that the Buckeyes and Wolverines are destined to face off against each other for the national championship game this season, as both are the top two teams In all of college football, I think that Michigan and Ohio State are in Tier 1A, and I would say Georgia's in Tier 1B. Obviously a huge step above Tier 2, but maybe a a few feet or a few yards below or behind Michigan and Ohio State, who I think are neck and neck against each other. Michigan Wolverines will have one of the most efficient offenses in all of college football, scoring .665 points per offensive play. Michigan will finally pass for over 250 yards. A huge part of that will be J.J. McCarthy having a massive breakout season. Michigan, in turn, on the ground will rush for even more yards per game than they did last season. Having a defense that will have an easier time getting stops and an offense that's going to be so much more efficient, especially in the red zone, means more points, more yards gained, and just really a harder time for opposing teams. They won't, Michigan won't be playing as much mistake-free football as they have the past two seasons. And maybe I said that wrong, but what I meant to say is that the the margin of error will be wider for Michigan because they'll be scoring more in the red zone, relying less on their kicker, which is helpful because James Turner will not replace Jake Moody. He'll be great. He'll kick around 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 field goals. I'm landing on 18, but he will not be a Jake Moody. He doesn't have the same leg or the same accuracy, but nonetheless, he'll be one of the better kickers in the country. Michigan will score over 90 touchdowns in total, though a few of those will be defensive scores. They'll have over three sacks per game with Jalen Harrell, Braden McGregor, Derek Moore, and Josiah Stewart, along with Chris Jenkins, Mason Graham, and Kenneth Grant, getting all over opposing quarterbacks. Michigan's secondary will be amongst one of the best in the nation, gathering 63 passes defended and 17 interceptions, swarming the ball whenever they see it. Michigan's offensive MVP will be running back Blake Corum, who I have getting 285 rushing attempts for 1,738 yards, 23 rushing touchdowns, and averaging 6.1 yards per carry. Now, keep in mind, Michigan is playing in 15, 15 total games. So when you see these statistics, and then I say that I don't think Blake Corum or J.J. McCarthy are even reaching the Heisman ceremony, let alone winning it, That it, the reason for that is, is that Blake Corum and J.J. McCarthy in Michigan's offense, in my opinion, after the awards have been given out, will have big games in the semifinals and in the, and in the national championship which means that their statistics, entering the Heisman Ceremony Award, if they're in New York or not, I lean toward them not being in New York, or for the Doak Walker Award, or for any other award, Michigan's players will statistically be less impressive, as I think that the entire offense and defense will have great games in the playoff matchups, specifically against Washington, where I think Michigan will do to the Huskies what they should have done to the Horned Frogs last season, but of course, failed to do so. Blake Corum is the nation's number one running back. I think Donovan Edwards is the third best running back in America, behind Ole Miss's Quinchin Judkins, who had a phenomenal season as a freshman last year. My defensive MVP is cornerback Will Johnson, who I have getting around 40 total tackles, a forced fumble, five interceptions, and 15 passes defended. If healthy, due to his wingspan, height, weight, speed, attitude, and the fact that he's coached by Steve Klinkscale, I think if healthy, Will Johnson is the best corner in all of college football. And he's only a true sophomore, which means despite being one of Michigan's best players, he will be back in 2024. And I think that he will definitely be selected in the upper half of the first round in either the 2025 NFL Draft or a future NFL Draft, just not this season as he is not eligible. My breakout player is quarterback J.J. McCarthy. J.J. McCarthy last year was the 16th best quarterback according to ESPN's efficiency metrics with a 79.1 QBR. He passed for 2,719 yards, 22 touchdowns, and 5 interceptions, and he also had 5 rushing touchdowns and 306 yards on the ground. Against TCU, we saw his high and his low, and against Ohio State, we also saw some of his greatest moments. Toward the end of the year is when J.J. McCarthy was playing his best football. Against TCU, he also showed that his worst is still hanging around like a shadow. I think that this season we get to see the best of J.J. McCarthy 90 to 95 percent of the time. Of course, no quarterback is perfect, and Caleb Williams, Jalen Daniels, Drake May, Michael Penix Jr., and Bo Nix are better quarterbacks in my opinion. Kyle McCord and other players, I think at quarterback, have the potential to be better than J.J. McCarthy as well. I think McCarthy will be either the 10th, Sixth best quarterback, or in between that range, I think is where J.J. McCarthy will fall, which is a near elite quarterback. He'll break Michigan's passing yards in a single season record with 390 passing attempts, 3,667 yards, 34 passing touchdowns, and five interceptions, along with a few hundred rushing yards and a few rushing touchdowns as well. On top of that, he will be one of Michigan's better players and he will be a strength of this Michigan team. And finally, what do I think overall, outside of what I've already told you? But I think that the weaknesses of this team outside of the wide receiver play or the low wide receiver ceiling are quarterback depth. If J.J. McCarthy goes down, Michigan would either have to choose between Jack Tuttle, Davis Warren, Alex Orgy, or Jaden Denegal. One of those four likely it would be Jack Tuttle or Alex Orgy or Davis Warren. Alex Orgy would definitely have run game packages for him for the regular season. If JJ McCarthy gets injured, I would expect the staff to abuse those run game, those run plays as Jack Tuttle nor Davis Warren are particularly as mobile or athletic as Orgy is. But Warren and Tuttle have the best resume outside of McCarthy when it comes to passing the football, at least at the collegiate level. That, however, is a huge drop-off from McCarthy to either of those two players. So Michigan has to be careful, and they have to handle J.J. McCarthy with care, and hopefully J.J. McCarthy also handles himself with care and isn't too reckless, as we have seen that is one of his strengths— but also weaknesses as a quarterback, is McCarthy can be reckless. And it either makes him look like Patrick Mahomes in college, who's one of the nation's best quarterbacks, or he looks like John O'Corn trying to scramble and then throws a pick or turns it over. I mean, that, when J.J. McCarthy is reckless, the ceiling can't be higher, the floor cannot be lower. That's quarterback depth. I think that postseason preparation, even though I have Michigan going 15-0 and and I think they will expel that, I think that heading into the year, that has to be mentioned. That is definitely a potential weakness. It is definitely Michigan's biggest weakness, and I'm not going to say otherwise until they prove that wrong, and I predict that they will, but that's just a prediction, and I do want to see it with my own eyes. But postseason preparation is a huge weakness for Jim Harbaugh. As much as I say that I think James Franklin, for example, is an overrated head coach, he does a much better job with postseason preparation than Jim Harbaugh does, and that is a critical weakness for any team who is expected to compete at the national level, is doing a poor job preparing for competing in the postseason for a national championship. The wide receiver ceiling I also think is low, but it is a deep room with several great to good playmakers. The strengths of this team are an elite running back room, elite trench play, and linebackers and the defensive backs are going to be elite as well. Again, I think Michigan will have the number one running back room, number one offensive line, and number one defensive back core. The game control will be intense. Michigan will be able to pound the rock on, I think, any defense in America. And the team's experience will make it so that there are very few green mistakes. I think the realistic ceiling of this team is 15-0. and 0. There's no higher you can go than that. So that's Michigan's ceiling is at the top of college football. Same with Georgia, Ohio State, obviously Alabama with Nick Saban and the talent that they have on their roster. The floor, both in a realistic sense, in the basement sense of this team is 11-2. and two. I thought about 10-3 and for the basement sense, but I think Michigan has so much experience and talent, and they also match up well against their two toughest challengers in the division. Penn State, for example. Michigan's offense and defense match up extremely well on paper, and also in practices we've seen last year and in 2021, they match up with the Nittany Lions. Michigan has an my opinion, a bigger mental advantage over Ohio State than they do Penn State, just because they've broken Ohio State for two years in a row. Roster-wise, that's balanced out because I think Ohio State this year is building their roster to compete more with Michigan. They're going to be more physical. They're going to be much better at running the football than they have since 2019. And in 2019, Ohio State had one of the nation's best rushing attacks. But nonetheless, the Wolverines have an advantage schematically, and with experience over the Buckeyes and Nittany Lions. And if this team go, does go 10-2 and, and miss the playoffs and go to a New Year Six Bowl game, they will overmatch their opponent, in my opinion, even if they have some opt-outs. And I don't think this team is the kind of team to have all of their potential departures for the NFL opt out for a single New Year Six Bowl, though that is a great possibility. I think 15-0 is the ceiling, 11-2 is the floor. Michigan will start off strong despite Harbaugh's three-game suspension. They'll handily beat Michigan State, Penn State, and Ohio State going 12-0 in the regular season. And Michigan will win another Big Ten title, their third in a row, and then win, finishing 15-0 with a national title. I meant to say will there, not win. Pardon me. But I expect a great season for the Michigan Wolverines, and after 2023, we'll have to see where Michigan stands entering 2024 when they lose all of that production, but I expect Michigan to be the best team in college football this season, and the expectation for this program is improve off of 2022. Go 14-1, and at least win a semifinal game, if not the national championship. Thank you guys so much for watching this video. Please comment your thoughts down below and subscribe to the channel and like this video if you haven't already. I'll see you guys around, and I am so excited to preview Minnesota and Nebraska tomorrow, along with Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan State and their respective games this weekend later in the week. Have a great day, guys.